Good morning, welcome. Come on in and find a spot to sit. If you're here for the first time, I want to add my voice of greeting. My name is Mark Mullery. I get to serve as one of the elders here, and I get to bring today's message to us, and I get to give away free stuff. Who put their hand up and said you were excited about finals? Somebody over I saw him. Here you go. Goodie bag for you. There you go. All right. I also have a, a, a book that I'm going to explain in a moment. It's called The Heart of Christ. There's one free copy. I'm going to leave it here, and we'll see what happens after the service. I didn't want to throw that. I don't know. Um, I've been gone the last four weeks. Two Sundays, uh, I was close by serving over at Fairfax Bible Church where they're uh, in need of a senior pastor. So they're praying, praying for that. In the meantime, several of us have been helping fill in serving over there. And then the last two Sundays, we were visiting family in California. And so I have so missed being with you. And it's so good to be able to be home and be with you. Thank you. Thank you. This is... I just... I love this church. You clap when the candles were lit. I love that we clapped for the lighting of the candles. It's great. This is the best church. On a more serious note, I really do want to add my voice to Destin's. The suicide prevention workshop that's being held here, 5.30 night. I attended that workshop in September of 2020. I did not invest a better hour than that hour of that, of that workshop. And came uh, from it, came out of it saying, is there some way we could bring this to the church? So 515 Ministry, thank you for hosting this and, and providing this uh, for the church. And I really want to encourage you. This is a, just a, a, I just found it to be very educational, helpful, and hopeful. It's a good tools uh, moving forward. So come if you can for that. We're here in the Advent season. We've got our candles lit. Uh, thanks, Bonnie Hinders and all who helped decorate. Doesn't the auditorium look great? I love having the building decorated. That's definitely worth clapping about. Um, so Advent, what does that word mean? Advent means appearing. Okay. It means arrival. And so Advent is the news that the long awaited Jesus has arrived, has appeared. He's come to set people free from sin and to bring us home to a city whose builder and maker is God. So this Advent series, what we're doing is a little different. We're focusing on the heart of this Christ who, who appeared, who arrived as we celebrate at, at Christmas. And we're using as a, as a help, as a guide, this wonderful book, Gentleman Lowly, uh, written by Dane Orland. And we're, we're mining the scriptures that are opened up in this book. And that's, that's our series. And if you don't, didn't get one of these books, there are some free copies available out in the lobby. Please grab one. I want to encourage you to just maybe use that as your Advent devotional this year. That's a book to be read in small sips. Just slowly work your way through it and let the heart of Christ be opened up. Ask for the Spirit to open these things up to you. So these messages are going to be a little different than what we normally do. They're still expository messages. We're starting with Scripture, opening up Scripture, and the ideas from the, the sermon come from God's word to us, but we're, we're greatly narrowing the text, the, the scripture text for this series. And so today it's just one verse. It was actually going to be two verses, Hebrews 4.15 and 5.2, but it's just going to be 
Hebrews 4.15. I just want to focus actually even more narrowly than that one verse. I want to focus on one phrase in that verse. Able to sympathize. Able to sympathize with our weaknesses. I hope my prayer for this sermon has been that that phrase and what it reveals about the heart of Jesus would, would stick, that it would be with you on Wednesday, that it would be with you on Monday night when you can't sleep, that it would be with you in trials and difficulties, that it would be with you knowing this, this great heart of Christ that's tender and open to us. So I hope that this message and, and this series as we're focused on the heart of Christ, I hope that it can be a time of renewal and revival for you in knowing and encountering the person of Jesus. So this morning, Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Once more. We do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. I want to read the same verse from the King James because I, I, there's a phrase in here that I, I think is, is, is helpfully put, and I, I want you to hear this. So, we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. There's the phrase, touched with the feelings the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. So let's pray. I'm going to pray from the Valley of Vision. And, and as we pray, I want to remember uh, this morning, Justin and Edward and Stephanie as they're uh, in the Middle East with our missionary there, Kim. So let's pray. Oh, great God, our reconciling Father, I pray this morning that you would open our eyes to see Christ. Give us the ear of faith to hear him, the eye of faith to see him, the hand of faith to receive him, the appetite of faith to feed upon him, that we might find in Jesus light riches, honor, and eternal life. Pray that for those who are seated here with me this morning. Pray that for our dear friends who are at home and not able to join us in person. Pray that for Justin and Edward and Stephanie and Kim. We pray that for Kylia and Amy and their kids. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus, whose advent we remember in this Christmas season, is now seated in heaven at the right hand of God. One day he will return, right? That's the second advent. This is good news that he's coming back to make all things new. But in between, as we live here, in between these two advents, while we journey toward our final home, there can be trouble, can't there? Sincere Genuine Christians can become discouraged, can become disheartened and weary. That's what 
happened to this church that's receiving this letter called Hebrews. They were a discouraged and disheartened church. And this letter is a gift to the discouraged and disheartened Christian. The road home can be long and it can be hard. My burden is to convince disheartened believers that even though Christ is now in heaven, he is just as open and tender in his embrace of sinners and sufferers as ever he was on earth. Now this burden, the disheartened believers know the tender, open heart of Christ, this burden isn't original with me and it isn't new here today. In fact, that sentence that I just spoke, I lifted from our gentle and lowly book. The author of our book, Dane Ortland, received this burden in turn from another author, a Puritan named Thomas Goodwin, who 370 years ago wrote a book called The Heart of Christ, the book that I mentioned earlier that's down there. Here's the quote from Gentle and Lowly. Dane Ortland writes, Goodwin's burden is to convince disheartened believers that even though Christ is now in heaven, he is just as open and tender in his embrace of sinners and sufferers as ever he was on earth. Goodwin's burden is to convince disheartened believers that even though Christ is now in heaven, he's just as open and tender in his embrace of sinners and sufferers as ever he was on earth. Now, where did Goodwin get this burden? It wasn't new or original with him. He received this burden from one powerful, life-giving anchor verse. And that verse of scripture is the verse for our sermon today. Hebrews 4.15. Let me read you the context verses 14, 15, and 16. Please follow along in your, in your Bibles if you have one there with you. If you don't, just listen to the, to the words here. Verse 14, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our, our confession. Verse 15, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now our verse 15 is sandwiched in between two exhortations, two urgings, two let us statements. Verse 14 says, let us hold fast our confession. Why? Because when you get discouraged, you want to give up. Saying, no, don't do that. Hang on. Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 16, let us then with confidence draw near to a throne of grace. In between those two urgings is the anchor that provides the reason for those two urgings. The reason not to give up, the motivation to draw near is wrapped up in the heart of Jesus, in who he is to the believer. Hear this. The words 
of Hebrews 4.15 are more powerful than you can possibly imagine. God said, let there be light. And that was enough for light for the universe. And the same God has given us these 31 words here in verse 15. What might he do through those words in your life today? So we're going to focus on the claim of verse 15, and then we'll consider why it matters. Here's the claim. The claim is this. Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Hear the verse again. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now, what is the Holy Spirit telling us here when he says, we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses? There's a double negative. We do not have unable to sympathize. So, the idea of the double negative is it's a forceful way of stating the positive. And the positive is this. Jesus is able to sympathize with our weaknesses. Jesus is able to sympathize with, insert your name, weaknesses. You. He's talking to you. Now, when we hear the word sympathize, we may think sort of, able to understand or able to agree. And sometimes that word can be used at sort of, sort of an intellectual level. Oh yeah, I, yeah, that must be hard, I'm sorry. But there's more going on than that here. The word sympathize is from the Greek word sum pathesei. And it means suffer together with. There's a prefix, sum, and there's a verb, pasco. Sum means with and pasco means suffer. You put it together and it means to suffer with. Our English word sympathize comes from this Greek word. And if you look it up in the Oxford English Dictionary, our English word sympathize, actually the very first meaning that's listed is this, to suffer with or like another. Not just to know about it. Not just to understand something, to suffer with or like another. And that's the idea here. Have you ever had that experience where you, you meet someone or you're talking to someone and you have like a shared interest? You know what I'm talking about? Or maybe a shared experience? Do you know that there's a, there's a club called the Kidney Stone Survivors Club? And if you've, if you've ever had a kidney stone, it's your obligation when you meet another kidney stone survivor to share your story with them and they share their story with you so you can sit. How many members of the KSSC here along with me? Okay, right? Yeah, so we know how this works, right? So, so that's called suffering with, right? You're entering into that suffering. Jesus Christ, our great high priest, is suffering with his people. Can you hear that? His heart is open and tender to those who are weak 
to those who are in trouble. Ortland and Jenlyn Lowly writes, the burden of this anchor verse is Jesus Christ's sheer solidarity with his people, his oneness, his withness in our weakness and suffering. But don't take Ortland's word for it. Listen to the scholars. Commentators agree. William Lane in his commentary on Hebrews says about this, this phrase, the exalted high priest suffers together with the weaknesses of the one who is tested. The King James Version we read earlier, he can be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. It isn't just an intellectual knowledge. It isn't just information. It isn't just understanding. It's our great high priest being touched with the feelings of your infirmities. Peter O'Brien in his commentary, this highlights Jesus's fellowship in suffering with his followers. So I want to ask you, when you think about Jesus, is this how you think about him? Suffering together, touched with the feelings of your infirmities, fellowship in suffering with you. Do you know the comfort of this great high priest and his heart that is open and tender to you? Not just know about it. Do you know this personally? Do you know this today? You can. Who qualifies for this sympathy? Who qualifies for this open and tender affection? Well, the text tells us he is able to sympathize with us in our weaknesses. Now, this word for Weakness is a general word. It's a general expression and it covers all kinds of things. Sickness, persecution, physical weakness, as well as our disposition to fall into sin, which is where it goes next. In every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Jesus wants you to know that he's been touched by all these things that you're experiencing and yet without sin. I love the illustration in Gentle and Lowly when uh, Orland writes that Jesus is like the doctor who can prescribe what we need to relieve us from our troubles, but he's also the doctor who's endured the very same disease that we have. He's able to sympathize. In every respect, he's been tempted as we are. What is this heart of Christ look like? What does this tender affection look like? Well, if you want to know, read the Gospels. You might even, as you read through your Bible next year, if you go through the Gospels at some point, you might just make a note to, to, to make a list of where do you see the open and tender heart of Christ? And what you'll find is that when Jesus encounters the self-righteous, he is ready to rebuke and confront that arrogance and sin. 
But when people who are in trouble come to him, what do we see over and over? We see a gentle and lowly savior. We see an invitation to come for rest, to come and experience the tenderness and openness of his heart. Leper, unclean, can't be around other people. Lord, if you will, you can make me clean. What does Jesus do? He stretches out his hand and he touches the leper. You see the heart of Christ in saying, I will be clean. A crowd draws near to Jesus to listen to his teaching. It's gotten late. There are thousands there. There's no grocery stores. There's no food delivery services. They're hungry. Jesus' heart of compassion is moved. What does he do? He feeds them. Tender. Two sisters grieving the death of their brother who happened to be a friend of Jesus. What do you see of the heart of Jesus there? He weeps. He joins them in their grief. Open and tender. And then he calls Lazarus to come back to life. Peter, the disciple, denies Jesus the night of his trial and betrayal. He fails Jesus terribly. What do you see of the heart of Christ. He makes breakfast for him. He restores him, recommissions him, and he says, go take care of my people. Feed my sheep. Can you see the tender and open heart and affection of Christ for his people, especially his people in weakness and need? Now I ask, has heaven changed him. He's in this exalted state. He's seated at the right hand of the Father. All things are being brought beneath his feet. He will return in glory. Is he still open with tender affection for sufferers and sinners? Thomas Goodwin, he wrote a whole book to basically say, yes, he's still like that. Listen to the title or titles of Goodwin's book. Here's, he was a Puritan and they loved having a title A and a title B. And the title Bs are quite long. Here's, what he's, here's title A. The heart of Christ in heaven towards sinners on earth or a treatise demonstrating the gracious disposition and tender affection of Christ in his human nature now in glory unto his members under all sorts of infirmities, either sin or misery. That's just the title, right? But can you see what he's trying to say here? Listen, he's now in glory, but he's still human. He's still one of us, fully God and fully human. And for his members, for the members of his body, for his church, he is disposed with tender affection for people in all sorts of infirmities, whether sin or misery. Do you qualify in any of that? Do you belong to him? Are you a Christian? Are you a follower of Christ? Then you're a member of his body and he's your high priest. Are you experiencing infirmities, struggling with sin, experiencing the misery of life in a fallen world? Oh, hear this. His heart hasn't changed. 
He's not out of sight, out of mind. He knows where you are. He sees you. And he's there with you, bringing to you his tender, affectionate, compassionate heart. Won't you come to him? If you're here this morning, you're watching this morning, you're not a follower of Christ. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And he's a gentle and tender shepherd of hearts and souls. All he asks that you bring to him is your sin. Turn from it to him. Come to know this forgiving, saving, strengthening, compassionate Lord. Won't you come to him today? Why does this matter? What do we do with all this? Jesus is able to help because he's able to bring us to the place of help. That's what it means for him to be our high priest. That appears several times in this passage, and that's part of what the writer of this letter is focusing on here. Now, for most of us, the idea of a high priest doesn't mean very much. Not sure what to do with high priests. Don't encounter a lot of high priests. Don't talk about high priests. Never been a high priest. Verse 16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's what we do in response to having a great high priest. Let me try to give you a picture to understand the implications of Jesus being your high priest who sympathizes with your weaknesses and opens the way for you to come to the throne of grace. Let me show you visually from the layout of the temple that was there in Jerusalem when Jesus lived there. The first century. We got that? There we go. Okay, so there was this massive temple. There was a tabernacle that was built in the wilderness and then Solomon built a temple and then Herod built this massive temple complex there in Jerusalem. Anybody could come and gather in the outer parts of that. But where that green arrow is, you see that? There's a wall there. And if you were a non-Jewish person, if you were a Gentile, that wall in effect had a closed sign to you because you couldn't go past that little dividing wall into that court there. That was as far as you were able to go. But if you were a Jewish person, you could go in. You could go into that, the other side of where that, that little green arrow is. You could even go into the, to the uh, inner courtyard there. But if you were a woman, you couldn't go past that yellow arrow. And in fact, if you were a man, you couldn't go past that yellow arrow unless you were a priest. And you couldn't go past that yellow arrow unless you were a priest on duty. So that yellow arrow has a closed sign on it. And almost everybody gets closed out. If you didn't get closed out by the green one, you're probably going to get closed out by the yellow one. But if you don't get closed out by the yellow one, I can almost guarantee you you're going to get closed out by the red one. Because that red one, see that building in the middle of the complex? The whole thing is built around that building. You know what's in that building? The Ark of the Covenant. That's the holy place. That's the place where the manifest presence of God is experienced on earth. And so there was this massive curtain that prevented people from having access to that Ark of the Covenant and that inner holy place. And that red arrow is basically a big closed sign because only one person could go in there, the high priest. But even the high priest, that door, that 
entry was closed 364 days a year. Only one day a year, one person could go in there. And when he went in there, he went in there to make a sacrifice of atonement on behalf of the nation. That's where the manifest presence of God was. When Jesus comes as our priest, he offers a better sacrifice than the lambs and the animals that were being sacrificed in that courtyard. And when he comes as our high priest, he opens the door. He opens the way for others to come, not into that holy place, because that holy place is only a representation of the true one that's in heaven. And so Jesus, our great high priest who has passed through the heavens, now invites us to come in with him, to sit with him, to be with him, not only to experience his tender and affectionate heart, but to experience the throne of grace, to come into the control center of the universe where God himself is there. And you know what? It turns out the father and the son are exactly the same full of mercy and compassion, tender and affectionate, come to this throne of grace to, to receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Jesus, our great high priest, opens the way to the place where God lives, the place where he is. So now, Instead of a no trespassing closed sign, he says, come on in. Let us draw near. Come draw near. Come to me. And I want to ask you this morning, do you know the heart of Christ this way? Tender, compassionate, co-suffering. One of the things that was so affecting for me when I read Gentleman Lowly the first time was a simple comment. Orland says, many of us know a lot about the work of Christ, but spend little, little time reflecting on the heart of Christ. And I thought, that's me. And my meditations through that book have been so reviving and encouraging, and I hope you can have that experience too. Hear me. This is Pastor Mark with his heart for this people here. Hear me. It's possible to do Christian things and believe Christian truths and sing Christian songs and not experience Christ. It's possible to live the Christian life without experiencing and being renewed and revived by the tender, open, compassionate heart of Christ. But oh, it doesn't have to be that way. And don't settle for that. Christianity is about having a relationship with Jesus. Bring him your misery. Bring him your doubts. Bring him your sin. 
Bring him your anger. Bring him your weakness. Bring these things to the one who is open and tender, touched by the same afflictions. Come for mercy, for forgiveness and a remedy to sin. Come for grace, to be strengthened, to live for him and go as his ambassador into our world. The one who is touched by our infirmities is our great high priest. So as we travel the road to heaven, we continually find ourselves in places of weakness and need. Where is your place of weakness and need right now? Where is it? Locate that. Where is it? Have your relationships soured? Think about it. Jesus knows what that was like. He had that experience. If you've, you feel betrayed by a friend, Jesus knows what that feels like. He experienced that. Maybe you're lonely. Maybe you're home, isolated. Jesus experienced that too. Maybe you're stuck in a pattern of sin and you're so discouraged. Do you know, Jesus knows the pull and power of temptation more than anyone else because he never yielded to it, which means he lived his life continually having to say no to sin and yes to the Father. He knows the challenge and the power of temptation. And he came to give his life for the consequences when we don't say no to temptation. Oh, won't you come to him? You know, I find in moments, times when I'm in trouble, when I'm in difficulty, when I find my weakness, I, I find often I want to run to somebody else. I have an amazing friend, wife, life partner in Leslie. I want to talk to her. I have good friends, brothers in the Lord I want, I want to talk to. And that's great and helpful. But you know what? There are limitations in what every human being can offer to you. But there are no limitations in the tenderness and the compassion and the perfect care that you receive from Christ. So what does it look like to draw near to him today? Maybe you find yourself in a unique season of need. Life has its seasons, doesn't it? Maybe you're a mom with young children. Maybe you're a caregiver for an aging parent. Maybe you're a student struggling with finals coming or friendships or worrying about the future. Maybe you're experiencing and have for a long time a chronic illness or cancer. Maybe you feel isolated. Maybe you're struggling with fear. Oh, you don't have to live the Christian life without Christ. Brothers and sisters, let us draw near. Fix your eyes on Christ. What, what does it look like? How do, you, how do you do that? It's not complicated. Here, here's what I do. I talk to him. Just, just talk to him. Call out. Tell him what you're thinking about. Tell him how you're feeling. I listen to him. I try to start every day listening to him because this is his voice to me. These are his words to me. I don't do so well in the middle of the day. I usually get off to a good start and then, then I somehow what I start off with remembering about him and experiencing of him tends to evaporate in the middle of the day. But I'm trying to learn how in the middle of the day 
when I get in trouble, which happens regularly, sometimes I create it, sometimes it comes to me, I want, I want to learn in the middle of the day, let us draw near is still an open invitation. Help, Lord, I'm in trouble. Brothers and sisters, talk to him. Listen to him. Draw near to him. Start now. Look to the one whose heart is open to you, whose heart is full of tender affection, ready to be touched by the feelings of your infirmities. Before we transition to having the Lord's Supper, I want to just read this little passage once more, this time from the message. Maybe the, the, the different ways of saying this will, will help this connect. Now that we know what we have, Jesus, this great high priest with ready access to God, let it not slip through our fingers. We don't have a high priest who's out of touch with our reality. He's been through weakness and testing, experienced it all, all but the sin. So let's walk right up to him and get what he is so ready to give. Take the mercy, accept the help.